welcome to Race Industry Now. I am Francis Savignan, the founder of Trade. I am with uh, my business partner and a great founder, uh, co-founder of uh, Trade, Judy Keen. Good morning, Judy. How are you today? Good morning, everyone. Good. So I think we have some special guests today, Judy, right? Yes, we do. We brought on Mr. Paul Founder, Paul Fanner, founder of uh, uh, Racer Media and Marketing, and uh, we have a special second webinar that I'm going to let Paul explain. Well, well, thank you, Judy, and, and hello, Francisque. Um, great, great to be back with you. Um, uh, yes, uh, a little later, uh, at, at following this really interesting tech webinar, we're going to have uh, 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 our NASCAR reporter, Kelly Crandall, will join us, and she's down in Daytona, and she's been covering uh, what's been happening there, and uh, uh, I understand we're going to have uh, uh, Brad be part of this, Brad Gilly be part of this conversation going forward, and, and uh, the well-known Jeff Hammond, uh, who I really admire, will, will also uh, be part of the discussion about what's going on down in Daytona, and I just have to give a, a shout out to Kelly. Uh, one of her stories set the all-time record uh, for page views and traffic this past week. She had a story about uh, uh, Kyle Busch uh, having his crew swapped out underneath him, and he made the comment that it felt like he'd been fired from the 18 car, and that generated over 500,000 page views, uh, over 175,000 shares on social media. So uh, yeah, thank you, Kelly, wherever you are. <laughs> Very good. That's exciting. So it, basically, when we uh, started Race Industry Now back in uh, uh, in January, the whole idea was to carry on the momentum of you know online race industry week, where we work so well with uh, Racer and Paul and his entire team. So uh, the show uh, is basically scheduled every week, and once in a while, we're going to have Paul and and the entire team at Racer join us for special edition. And I guess there is a big race this weekend coming up so this is a special uh, Daytona 500 so we are going to start the first hour and we're going to be talking with Octanes or we're going to talking with the great people from uh, uh, Race Gas on race engines and Octanes and more specifically what you need to know about Octanes so we're bringing on screen uh, Dan Muldone uh, the founder and CEO of Race Gas uh, along with Jim Hall or uh, the general manager of uh, TPIS. So Brad Gilly, we are going to let you on carry the next hour and then we'll uh, see you guys in about an hour and then we're going to move into uh, the Daytona 500 section. Good morning, Jim. Good morning, Dan. Thanks for being with us this morning. And Good morning. Uh, Brad Gilly, it's on to you. Hi, thank you very much, Francis. Really appreciate that. And looking forward to uh, spending the next hour here talking about race gas, which is going to be a lot of fun. As Francis mentioned, uh, we have a couple of special guests here. Dan Muldowney, the CEO of Race Gas, and Jim Hall, the general manager of TPIS. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about the product. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, everything that uh, they have to offer and how it can help the racing industry and how it can help racers. Along the way, if you have a question, you are more than welcome to type that into the chat feature, and we'll certainly get your questions out there and answer anything that you might have. So, uh, Dan, first of all, let me start with you. Thank you for joining us here this week. Uh, Thanks for, for having me. We've got at ePart Trade, and just give us a quick overview. Tell us about the product. Tell us about Race Gas. Um, yeah. So uh, the quick, quick and dirty story is uh, this is a product that uh, I created about twelve years ago to solve my own problem. Um, I had bought racing fuel at a racetrack that looked and smelled like 110, didn't know it had been sitting in the ground for a couple of years, and I melted uh, some pistons on a, on a Porsche engine. Uh, fast forward 18 months later and did it again, and I said, well, you know, if I can't keep building $50,000 engines every five minutes, I have to solve this problem. And uh, through five years of research through two different uh, research laboratories, uh, we came up with uh, race gas, race fuel concentrate. Um, it's a different product on the marketplace because um, it's designed specifically to compete head to head with distilled racing fuel. As a result, it not only increases the octane to the level of racing fuel, but it also increases the chemical energy 
and chemical oxygen of the fuel to equal that of professional grade racing fuel. All right. And uh, Jim, if I could bring you on as well, um, you actually mm -hmm. use this in practice um, week in, yeah. week out on a daily basis. So uh, I guess give us an overview of how you and Dan connected. As I understand, you were pretty much one of his first customers, <laughs> and it's something that you continue to use today. He was a pre-customer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so Dan's facility and our facility, you know, we're in the Minneapolis area. And um, basically Dan and, and Mark uh, contacted us because we have an engine dyno and a chassis dyno and build engines and, um, and all that stuff. And um, basically contacted us about doing some dyno testing and, um, Myron Cottrell, who started TPIS um, back when we started doing this, he was like, ah, none of that stuff ever works. And, you know, which is, which is true for a lot of stuff on the market. And this is, I can honestly say that um, the race gas product is like the only product that actually works. Um, and it, it just, uh, you know, we started doing different tests, you know, okay, let's run this engine on 91 octane right out of the pump. And then, um, you know, okay, this engine over here requires, you know, hundred octane. Okay. Let's put that on the dyno and let's see if these guys really know what they're doing. And, um, and we were all pleasantly surprised and, um, I've been using it on a very regular basis ever since then. And that was probably, I don't know how many years ago, Dan. What more than think? 10. I had hair yeah. back then. <laughs> and I had a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> See, there you go. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I it, it's just, it's one of those products, you know, in our industry, especially now more than, you know, let's say 20 years ago, there's a lot of junk out there that just does not work. And um, this stuff, it, it it's just great. It, it works and it does exactly what I expect it to do. And um, I've, I've been a, a fan ever since we, we started testing with it. And, and now I sell it to customers or, you know, recommend it when we build an engine or build a car. So. Well, Dan, let's, um, you know, as Jim was saying, there's a lot of products out there and, you know, some of it snake oil, some of it, you know, it doesn't really give the same benefits that maybe um, a label would lead you to believe, if you will. But, you know, from octane boosters to fuel additives to cleaners and different things like that, what makes race gas different? What is it that race gas is? <clears throat> Um, well, I think the, the biggest difference between our product and other fuel additives that are designed to increase octane is that we always targeted being a direct replacement for racing fuel. Yeah. So in order to do that, you have to increase the octane, obviously, but you also have to increase the chemical energy and the chemical oxygen. So why is this important? If you have high octane and low chemical energy, you're lean at wide open throttle and you'll probably damage the engine. If you have high octane and low chemical oxygen, not all the fuel burns in the power stroke, it can burn in the exhaust stroke and you'll damage the engine. Yeah. So when we designed our product, it was really specifically to go after those three key attributes. And that's what we came up with. It took a while to get there, um, but, uh, but that's what we, we finally figured out and that's what we're selling today. Uh, Jim, if you wanna to add to this maybe, um, a lot of people look at something and think a bigger number is just simply always going to be better. But if you're tuning engines, if you're doing all of this, can you kind of help give us an, a little bit of an idea of maybe what someone is actually going to be looking for with this? Because bigger isn't always better in this situation, right? Yeah. You know, I get, well, first of all, people, you know, you go into your parts store or this or that, you know, hey, my, my car's rattling a little bit what do you have for it? Oh, we got this octane boost or we got this or that. That's a completely different product than what race gas is. Um, if you buy race gas in a drum, it's gasoline with whoever's, whatever manufacturer's additive package in it. And the engine uses gasoline, but also the stuff in there, the additives that they add are what help make power. If you go to the parts store and buy a can of whatever, 
that's just raising your octane and it's generally a rudimentary way to get your engine to stop pinging. Um, but race gas is, it makes power. It, it's not just raising octane, but it makes power. So um, I do get a lot of uh, customers, you know, we do some race car stuff, road racing and, uh, or just customers that their engine may have a little bit too much compression ratio or cylinder pressure for the, the fuel they're able to purchase. So, or we get uh, the other end of the spectrum is we get a, a guy, a customer with a race car that only has, you know, maybe nine and a half or 10 to one compression. They don't even need race fuel, but they buy it because it's at the track and it's a race car, you know? Um, so one thing I've found several, several times on the chassis dyno when they bring a car in, um, or if we disassemble an engine, a lot of times we'll dyno it first just to verify it. We pick up power. Your engine needs the correct amount of octane, you know, for it. You can have too much octane. You can have too little. Most people are more familiar with too little because they run into detonation and, and pinging and, and engine damage. Um, because of that. So um, that's kind of where a lot of the public is misinformed. They need to know, you know, when you're building a specific engine, what does it require for octane? And, and that's what hopefully we can educate people on a little bit more because I run into that on a very, very regular basis. Um, so with the engines that I build, um, you know, that's a nice thing. It's a whole nother segue we could get into, but an engine, the engines we build are custom made for the application. They're not, um, oh, you need an engine here, just here, put that one in, that'll work. So we tailor the engines that we build, we tailor to the fuel that's gonna be available to the end user and having race gas available uh, opens up some more, makes our world a little bit bigger as far as what's possible in a convenient way to get the customer the fuel they need. Yeah, I guess, Dan, let's talk about this. I mean, obviously there's um, different ways that people talk about Octane for one, but, but if I'm watching right now, and let's just say I'm a racer, and I'm looking for something different, something that might, you know, give me that little extra boost, something that might give me an extra edge, something that might give me whatever I want for my engine. And I'm looking to race gas to see if maybe that's going to solve my problem. What do I need to do with the current engine I have? I might not be going to gym to get a new engine, but I've got an engine in my car that I want to get more out of. What do I need to know? Well, you know, it's, it's kind of a loaded question. Um, you know, your the engine that you have in your car now, whether it's a race car or street car, is set up to run the octane that you're running. Okay, so hypothetically, <clears throat> you know, let's say you wanted to add more performance parts to your engine, and you wanted to have the fuel be able to uh, not, you know, be able to to withstand the additional cylinder pressure, so that you can make more power. So hypothetically, you throw nitrous oxide on it, or you put a supercharger or a turbocharger, or you deck the heads and raise the compression. Um, you know, any of those changes is going to require you to add additional octane. Um, there are also some subtle changes that can be made to the engine that will require, that don't necessarily require more octane, but they perform better when they have them. So for example, if you have a, a C6 Corvette and you add a cold air intake and you take the cats off and you put a three inch exhaust on it and change the cam, that engine's fuel requirements are different. So yeah. you're gonna to need to tune that engine differently and you're gonna to need to tune it on a higher octane fuel to get the most out of those power adders. Did I answer your question or just make it more confusing? No, no, not, I mean, not at all, because again, um, you know, <clears throat> maybe I don't need it or maybe I do need it, but if I do get it, you know, then what do I need to do? If, if yeah. I, if, you know, do I need to go to my engine tuner and say, okay, here's what I'm thinking about doing. Can we get more with race gas? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I have a lot of customers, myself included. Um, uh, up until recently, my street car was a Volkswagen R32, which is a pretty special car for car guys out there. You know what it is. And I had it running on 104 octane fuel maps. So I ran race gas every tank in my car for 12 years. And uh, it made significantly more power 
on the 110 octane, uh, or sorry, the 100, 105 octane tool tune that I had than it ran on the street tune. So, um, you know, the, if you tune the engine correctly, you can take a stock motor with a few enhancements and get more power from it. As you generate more power, you're generating more of a risk of detonation. And in order to combat that, you're going to want a product like ours or, or actually direct racing fuel um, to combat that. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, just real quick, I a few applications um, that I've run into where, you know, Dan's talking about, you know, a streetcar where it might be kind of right on the edge of being able to run on pump gas. Um, the uh, actually it was one of the engines we used for testing a 402 cubic inch LT1, you know, 92, 97 vintage uh, Chevy V8. Um, about, um, about 11 and a half to one compression on, you know, this particular engine, the coolant goes to the cylinder heads first, blah, blah, blah. Um, it's not as prone to detonation as some other engines, but um, just by simply uh, adding, I think it was two, was it two ounces a gallon, Dan, I think kind of takes her up a little bit, but not. Yeah, two, two ounces per gallon increases 40 points or four numbers. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, a lot of the stuff we dyno, we'll dyno with 91 octane because that can generally be found by anybody. Um, and, and just adding two ounces a gallon, taking it up around 94, 95 uh, octane, um, it not only made more power, but every once in a while in the 91, we'd get a little bit of a tickle on the knock sensor and uh, the, you know, using the race gas additive, just at that minimal um, addition to each gallon, it made more power. And I believe it made more power just because of the, the makeup of the actual additive, but also, um, there was zero knock sensor activity. There was actually, I went in and made sure the knock sensor was still working, um, because all of that problem was gone. So, um, you know, that, that goes along with what Dan's talking about. I've had tremendous success using it in supercharged cars, especially street cars, where those are used in a variety of different weather. You know, you might drive it in the fall when it's 45. You might drive it in the summer when it's 95. Um, and having, it's just a little bit of insurance and it, it does make power, but really we're all after, let's not blow our engine up and uh, have to empty our wallet again. So that's one of the aspects where I've really, really enjoyed being able to use it. One of the things that to, to dovetail on what Jim just said, uh, a conversation we frequently have with customers that call in is, um, you know, they'll call in and they say, well, I've got this car and um, I want to run this octane fuel. And I'll be like, okay, well, so what have you done to the car to, to tune it, to run on that fuel? Oh, I haven't done anything. Well, then run the octane that your manufacturer told you to run. Um, there's no point in adding our product and, you know, over octaning an engine a little bit's not going to hurt it over to octaning a lot. Absolutely can. And yeah. it will draw, it will lose performance. And you can even go so far as to have tail end burning where the, the fuel burns in the exhaust stroke and the cylinder head temperatures go way up and you damage the engine that way. So, you know, we have probably, there's a good 30% of our calls where we tell the customer, please don't use our product. You don't need it, which is not necessarily in my best interest, but you know, I don't want people making expensive smoke. Let's put it that way. Yeah. You know, to that point, and by the way, I, I think I dropped away a few minutes ago, so I apologize for that. But to that point, um, you know, let's just say I have an engine right now that's not going to benefit from race gas. I mean, I, I'm one of the 30% that you say I don't need this. Mm -hmm. But now I'm thinking, okay, but I, I want something different. Where can I go? And what can I do now to maybe find the benefits out of race gas? Because that's what I start thinking is like, wait a second, this seems like a really great product, but if I can't use it, what can I do to where I can be able to use it and see the benefits out of it? Yeah. I mean, that, that's a good question. And, and there are simple things you can do. So, and, and it also depends on the car you have. Um, one of the tests that we did was on a Subaru WRX STI own stock. 
Um, we ran it on the chassis dyno. We got baseline numbers. We increased the octane by four numbers. So we went from 91 to 95 and we actually generated more power. That the Subaru WRX SDI is a performance oriented car. And when they build that engine control unit, they build some sensitivity into it such that if you do, it has to account for good gas and bad gas all over the world because they make one ECU. So, um, you know, Mexico, the gas is horrible. And so the ECU needs to be, account, be able to account for that. Here in the United States, the gas is generally very high quality. So they need to be able to account for that as well. So it really, you know, from a, from a just base standpoint, normal everyday car, if you have a performance oriented car, you know, a, a Corvette, uh, a Mustang, uh, you know, BMW, whatever, um, those performance oriented cars tend to have wider sensitivity. And by adding a little bit of octane, you can get a little more power. Now, if you were going to take that same engine and you wanted to get more out of it, the first place we always say to start is start with the ECU, start with the chip and go in and, and put in different fuel maps and different timing um, to give the engine a bit more performance. And then of course, you'll need the additional octane for that. Uh, Jim, I don't know if you want to add to that. Yeah, you know, I guess there's um, people will, you know, approach us about building an engine or I guess it would be more important on a race engine. Um, you know, well, what kind of fuel is this motor going to take? You know, and you can, you can give them guidelines on kind of a range, but really the only way that we're going to know what it likes for octane specifically is to, you know, every engine we build, we dyno it. So, um, you know, while a lot of them are very similar or they're all kind of in the same envelope, really the only way you can know what it wants for octane is to dyno it and see what works the best. Um, and that's, you know, one of the thing, a big thing in our hobby or industry is, yeah, I want to build a pump gas motor, you know, well, that, that doesn't, that's like saying you got a crate engine, um, pump gas, generally means, you know, usually 91 octane. Well, you can have an engine with nine and a half to one compression with cast iron heads that won't run on 91 octane because for whatever reason, it has too much cylinder pressure, maybe. Yeah, ARCA engines. Yeah. ARCA um, engines. Or, or you can take an engine, uh, you know, like the, the 402 LT I was talking about earlier. It has 11 and a half to one compression and it can almost run on, 91 octane just because of some design things that are inherent to that engine so there there is no this engine needs this octane you have to dyno it really to and anybody that's going to want this product generally is going to be somebody that's you know into performance on a higher level than the average hobbyist um so dynoing is really not not out of the scope of things that they're willing to do to achieve the most out of what they spent their money on. So do I need to go to the same pump every time, you know, to, to basically get my base gas or let's just say I'm here and, and where I live, I can get 93 and, and I've gone to the race gas website or I figured out that this is the mixture I need, but all of a sudden I travel to a racetrack and all of a sudden I can only get 91 octane there. So how do I need to adjust it? How does all of that work, Dan? Yeah. So, well, first of all, um, when we talk about gas quality and, and we, we did years of testing and I do literally mean years. Um, and one of the things that we did is we made sure that we were using our product the way our customers would. So like we didn't adjust the blend for winter blend or summer blend, which we have here in Minnesota. Um, <clears throat> we didn't adjust the blend for 10% ethanol or non-ethanol fuel. We used it the same way every time. Um, as far as fuel quality goes, I always tell our customers, go to a busy gas station. Because a busy gas station gets a few loads of fuel a day. Yep. And the chances of it had been sitting in the ground for a long time, uh, accumulating moisture is pretty low. Now, to your question... You know, you can only get 91 or 91 or you're running 93. And now you get you, you can only get 91. <clears throat> if you go to the black back of the can, it will tell you how to adjust your race gas mixture. 
Um, in that particular case, you would add, <laughs> thank you, Joe. <laughs> in that particular instance, um, I would say add one more ounce per gallon and you'd be fine. Um, but again, it's a, it's a great question. Uh, the, you know, the, the two reasons or the biggest reasons why our customers buy our product, number one, it's transportable, which racing fuel in some states is not. Um, two, you can blend to whatever octane you need and you can blend that octane to whatever situation you're in. So in other words, I can only get 90 here versus 93, I need to adjust my blend. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, there's just the straight up cost factor. Um, as somebody who used to buy racing fuel you know, in drums, this stuff is a hell of a lot cheaper and it doesn't spoil. So at the end of the, you know, what always ended up happening to me was I'd go to the track, I would have what I thought was enough fuel for the weekend, the weather would change, I'd end up using more fuel and I'd run out before the weekend was over or I'd be left with a whole bunch left over because I broke. Mm -hmm. And then you either end up fire sailing it for really cheap to anybody at the track who will buy it or it goes bad and you throw it away. And I'm like, that's just, I don't want to waste money that way. So the, obviously being able to make what you want, when you want, when you want, where you want is a big, a big deal for our customers. And that's one of the things that I really like about the race gas stuff is, um, man, I don't want to take two 55 gallon drums to the racetrack for a weekend. You gotta, you know, you gotta have room for it. You gotta arrange to have it dropped off at your shop before you leave. Um, then you got two drums when you're done and you may not use it all. I can't, I really, God, probably for the last 10 years, I can't tell you the last time I bought race fuel, you know, at a pump or in a drum because you don't need to. You can, you know, uh, if you're, you got a race weekend, you can buy gas in your regular old gas cans on the way and then, and then blend it when you get to the track or what. It's just, it's so much easier and user friendly and you don't have to buy a big, $300 electric pump to put in your drum to pump your gas out. And it, it's just, uh, yeah, it's just, it works that that's a huge deal too. And a lot for my streetcar customers, um, you know, I just had a customer bring in a older Corvette, um, that had a detonation problem because it had pop-up pistons in it. And, um, you know, it, it was almost, it was a little over 11 to one compression with a cast iron head and he couldn't buy gas for it anywhere to, to drive it. So I sold him a few cans of this and, you know, showed him how to mix it. And we used it on the chassis dyno just to show him how it works. And now he doesn't have to drive from gas pump to gas pump just to enjoy his car. So. <laughs> That is a good thing. We do have a few questions from the chat. Um, there were a Fair couple way. that came in early uh, that, that I'm not seeing anymore when my connection got lost. So if we don't get oh. to your question, if you want to ask it again, that's okay. I do think someone uh, had one initially that, let's just say my racetrack has a, you know, a, a fuel rule in their rule book. Maybe mm -hmm. I can only use their gas or something like that. How does race gas come into play there, if at all? Okay, so I'm going to give you the official official disclosure that I never said this, even though I'm going to say it. Um, we do have customers that use race gas in uh, series that have spec fuel. They cannot detect it. So, um, well, you can't, I mean, you could detect it if you had a laser refractometer, but nobody walks around with a $30,000 machine to the racetrack. Um, so yes, we have guys that are using it to, shall we say, bend the rules a little. They um, are using spec fuel. Sorry? They are using the spec fuel. Right. So. Just, yeah. <laughs> but they're also using something else with it, you know. Right. So I run into that too. I've had yeah. customers uh, where they have to run the fuel that's at the track and uh, they've had it checked and have had zero problems that doesn't mean you won't but uh typically that's not going to be a problem yeah but but i guarantee you a lot of people just perked up thinking hey you know maybe a little <laughs> something here all right uh, i'm just going to ask these as these were typed into the chat so um 
Here we go. Can you talk about the metal compounds and the additive? Do race gas fuels use metal compounds safe for O2 sensors and cats? We are safe for O2 sensors and cats. Um, but the one thing I will say is that um, it is incredibly difficult to make an octane product without using some organometallic compounds. Um, we use a couple of different ones. Um, the, the larger issue at hand is that um, lead, when we had lead for fuel, um, was a wonderful octane booster. It was just incredibly effective. And uh, so we've had to compensate. Obviously, we don't use lead or alcohol in our product for a number of reasons. Um, so yes, we do have more organometallic compounds of uh, manganese and iron and some other things that are in there. Um, what I can say is the total amount of our organometallic compounds that are used in our product are significantly lower than most on the market um, to the point where we, we just came out with a reformulation of our original product that uses 50% less of the organometallic compounds than we used before because we were introduced to some new octane additive chemicals from Germany that our supplier could get. And they, uh, so we added those to the product. So we're actually using a lot less metal in our, in our formula than we used to. And, and we even use less than everybody else did, but right. yeah. And I'll be testing that new uh, yep. setup that, that Dan has uh, finished here probably in a couple of weeks. We just need to get it worked into the dyno schedule. So that'll be, that'll be interesting to, to check out. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, Brad, one of the things that, uh, you know, a lot of people in the audience are probably thinking is, hey, these guys just took a big scoop of MMT, which is an organometallic compound, threw it in some xylene and toluene and said it was good. And uh, on the face of it, I can understand that argument. Um, when people start to look at our products, more specifically start to look at the composition of the product and realize that there's over 160 chemicals in the product that are used in various different ratios to accomplish what we do, um, they start to understand that, as Jim was saying before, this is more like a refiner's package than it is an additive. So exactly. if we think about the way racing fuel is made, a lot of racing fuel companies don't have distilleries. So they're not, they don't have crack towers. They're not cracking fuel. They're not pulling the, the fuel out of a tower and then, and then, and then making it into racing fuel. They're buying straight crack gasoline from a refiner like Coke, which is generally a very simple product. It's like 85 octane or something like that. It's got no preservatives. It's got no uh, detergents. It's got nothing in it. Yeah. And then they add a distiller's pack to it in order to create the racing fuel with the properties that they want. Well, we're doing exactly the same thing as those race fuel companies. We're just not selling you the pump fuel. Yeah. Or taking up the space. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Which that's a huge benefit right there without question. All right. Someone had asked if you can buy race gas additive with lead, but you already addressed that saying you don't have lead. Or I really want guys. I really wanted to do a lead additive. I really, really did. Um, just because I'm also a vintage racer and, uh, it is just so unbelievably poisonous yeah. and difficult to handle that I just, we didn't want to have anything to do with it. The good news is our both our regular and our ultra product do have chemical agents that act at, that uh, uh, stop valve seat recession if you don't have hardened valve seats and also add the upper cylinder wall lubricity that you look for in a leaded fuel. So if you are running leaded fuel now and you don't have hardened valve seats, you can use our product and you will not see valve seat recession. That's good to know. That's really good to know. All right. Uh, when you talk about octane number improvements, is that determined using a CFR engine? Yes. Thank you for asking that question. So what we did, um, so first off, let me, let me take a step back. I solved this originally to solve my own problem. And I, 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 I kid you not, I was literally gonna start brewing this myself and using it for me to go racing. And a racing friend of mine, Mark said, hey, stupid, we can make a company out of this. <laughs> so it wasn't, it wasn't that I was going out to make a product to sell to the, to, the, uh, to the market. It was that I was trying to solve this problem for myself. 
Um, I'm sorry, I got off track there. Uh, Do you use a CFR engine? Oh, yeah, CFR engine test. So, um, so yeah, so the official way, there's a series of tests that are called, they're certified ASTMD, and uh, they, they're, they're two, two ASTMD tests that you have to run for Octane. One is ASTMD 2699 and ASTM 2700. Um, we ran both of those tests. So that gives you your MON and your RON numbers, your motor octane number and your research octane number. And we ran that for every single blend on our blend chart. We made, we, so every one of the numbers you see on the back there is backed by a CRF engine test done by Sable Laboratories who does a lot of the testing for a lot of the fuel companies here in the US, they're in Deer Park, Texas. We, we would actually send them product, they would mix it um, with local fuels and test it and then certify the blends. So we did certify all those blends. Wow. While you mentioned the MON and the RON and all of that, uh, obviously here in the United States, we see one sticker on our gas pumps that shows right. octane. Throughout most of the rest of the world, they see a different sticker. Do, do you want to address that now and, and you know what people might need to know? Yeah, it, it, that's, a, that's a good question. So um, I probably said this already, but the, 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 the uh, research octane number of uh, a fuel is in a CRF engine test, like we just talked about. Um, it is the performance of the fuel at idle, okay? The motor octane number is the performance of that same fuel in the same test engine, but under load, okay? And in the United States, we use what we call the anti-knock index. If you look at a gas pump, it'll say R plus M divided by two. That's RON plus MON divided by two. So the research octane number plus the motor octane number added together divided by two. So that gives you a, a more sort of a middle of the road of this is what the performance is at idle and this is what the performance is under load. You get a better feel for that. In other places in the world, a lot of countries, and, and I mean a lot, use the research octane number. Um, from our standards, we everything on our can is, is anti-knock index. So, so the R plus M divided by two. Um, the reason why we don't use the RON number, it is really, really simple to make high RON numbers. Um, the guys that are taking a bunch of MMT and some kerosene and some naphthalene, you can make really high research octane numbers with those, but you're going to have really low motor octane number, numbers, yeah. which means you've, you don't have a, a consistent gas. You don't have a quality fuel. You want those numbers to be tight. So in other places in the world, they strictly use the RON number. And as a result, when we go to company, or sorry, to countries like, you know, we're in the United Arab Emirates, we're in uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, Germany, the Nordics, uh, Ireland, Greater UK, a bunch of other countries. We actually had to make labels that compensated for not only the metric system, meaning leaders and all that, um, but also for the fact that they use the RON number as opposed to uh, the AKI like we do. So there's a lot of math that you've simplified for people like me, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'd like to say we dumbed it down, but we really didn't. We just made some educated decisions, and 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 if people want to understand those decisions, please ask us because we we love technical calls. We get a lot of them, um, but you know, we we did it for a specific design intent, and that specific design intent is I want I want to compete directly against uh, uh, distilled racing fuel. And if I'm going to put it in my tank, I'm, you know, I'm going to, if I'm going to put it in your tank, I'm going to put it in my tank. Yeah. So you want to add to that? Yeah. Um, I have some customers, oh, I'll just run over to the airport and put some Avgas in the car, <laughs> uh, which definitely happens. But, um, and Dan, you probably know more about this than I do, but aviation fuel is on a different octane scale or it's rated. Yeah. Differently. Well, and, I, I can, I can actually shed some light to that real quick. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm also a pilot and, uh, the way aviation fuel, so everyone's like, Oh, I'll buy 100 LL blue at the airport and I'll put that in my car and I'll have hundred octane fuel. No. So the way aviation fuel creates their octane numbers, they use two numbers. One number is ground level or sea level. Yeah. Full power mixture rich. Okay. So that's when the plane's taking off. Then they use 
another number, which is the performance of the fuel at economy cruise lean mixture at altitude. Okay. So the two numbers they're using to, uh, to, cr to create the octane number are drastically different than what we use to do rate, uh, uh, auto automotive fuel. Yeah. The other thing to think about is a airplanes don't drive like cars do. Okay, so when I take off, I'm at full power, mixture rich, I climb to altitude. So I'm at full power, mixture rich for five minutes. And then I get to the altitude I want to be at, I retard the throttle to 3400 RPM, something like that. I take the mixture and I lean it out. And then I'll sit there at cruise speed for two hours, depending on where the hell I'm going. And then when I go to land, I go to mixture rich but I also start retarding the throttle. Yeah. So as I'm coming down the glide slope to land, when you're over the numbers, you're almost at idle or slightly above if you're doing a soft field landing. So that airplane uses, uh, it, it climbs to altitude, it stays at the same RPM for a really long time and then it goes down an RPM. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I'm a road race guy and my engine's going up and down the RPM scale constantly. And, <laughs> and yeah, and the chemicals that are in gasoline to make that throttle response possible don't exist in aviation fuel. Moreover, it says low lead. It actually has significantly more lead than old leaded automotive fuel does. And yes. people think, oh, it's low lead. No, it's not no low lead. It's like low lead in you know, in comparison to other aviation fuels, but not in, in comparison to, to, uh, to automotive fuel. Automotive fuel yeah. Interesting. All right. We got a, We got quite a few here, so I'll try and get through. Fire away. Um, let's see. Uh, I hear you talking about octane. I'm not hearing anything about the distillation of different fuels. Did we already address that just a little bit in, uh, in the way race gas is made versus pump gas or the way they distill it? Um, I think they're asking about, I guess maybe they're unclear that race gas is an additive and not actually a fuel that you're buying. To me, it sounds like they're asking about how the fuel is dis distilled, but race gas isn't a gas, you know, it's not a distilled gasoline. And race gas is made to work off of pump gas. Correct. I mean, sp yeah. specifically, so it's not, you know, we're not talking about different versions of it, just like you mentioned for, hey, if you're using aviation fuel, then use it this way. It's, it's designed to use off of pump gas. Mm -hmm. Is that fair? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, would you recommend using race gas over using fresh bespoke racing fuel? Okay, so let's talk about that for a minute. So there is a, se a segment of the racing performance world that my company is never going to do business with. Okay, if you are using a bespoke fuel for your engine and it's fresh, use it. Um, we're probably not the product for you. The reason why I say that is there are instances where you, like obviously with a bespoke fuel, you are having that fuel, the properties of that fuel are built to the specific properties of your engine. engine yeah. yeah, so you're not only tuning the engine, you're tuning the fuel too. And if that's the case, keep using it because we're, we're just not going to be the product for you because we're going to have more variability in our fuel than you would. Okay. Uh, let's see. This says if a person is putting, uh, putting in a rebuilt engine into their street car, um, I, I, I don't know if this was a statement or a question, it's best to retune it. I mean, if you're doing anything, putting something new, you need to retune it, right? Yeah, it, it depends on what the engine is. Um, yep. If you took out a, you know, a 1982 350 out of your Corvette that made 175 horsepower and you bought a, you know, if we built you a 400 horse motor um, and you put it in there, obviously that's, I recommend that for any engine. Um, you might as well get what you paid for. A lot of people buy motors, they put a carburetor on it and they, drive it to work or Dairy Queen, but they don't even know what they got because they didn't see what it liked for fuel and timing requirements. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you want to get the maximum efficiencies and power and all of that stuff, um, that's the way to go. All right. Well, what happens when the engine temperature is above the end point of the fuel used? 
Same thing that would happen with any fuel. You're going to get vapor lock. You're going to get uh, air bubbles and 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 the gas vaporizing in the fuel lines. Yeah. Um, you know that's true of 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 pump gas blended with race gas to make racing fuel. It's true of distilled racing fuel. So I mean, we're, we're I'm not going to tell you that we perform better or worse because we don't. We we're about the same. Okay, that's fair. Um, this is interesting too because you know if people want to buy race gas, where can they find it? We'll talk about that too. But the question sure. here is, what does race gas offer to us retailers so we can tell the story and show dyno results to our customers? Any training for our retail staff? Yes, as a matter of fact, we do. <laughs> yeah, sure. this is this is something that is is a real sore point for me. I love. Um, I, I love to train our retailers and give them the story. Um, and our most successful retailers that we have out there are the ones that, you know, like I did a video or we did a, a, a webinar training and then they kept the video and then they had new employees watch it. So I think of, of companies like SK Speed up in, in New York, those guys sell the hell out of our product. And it's because they, they went through the training, they did all the research um, the other thing we offer to all of our, our resellers is obviously sell sheets and banners and stickers and all the kind of stuff you need for that. We also have displays. Um, but then in addition, on our website, we have dyno test sheets. Yeah. So we have them from TPIS. We have them from R&R engines. We have them for R&S speed. Anybody who we tested and uh, we tested uh, uh, our product on, we asked for for dyno sheets. And by the way, everybody that's listening today, um, if you try our product, and I don't care what the results are, if you send us back your dyno sheets, I will discount. I will give you your money back on the product. Now, the reason why I'm saying this is because we love dyno sheets. Yeah. We love them. We want as many as we can get, and we're willing to pay a bounty for them. So uh, please send us your dyno sheets. And, and again, it's part of this is, um, you know, part of this is that we, uh, you know, we've done testing, but we want to have everybody else's tests involved because then we can legitimately say, hey, look, at, this is the third party. We had nothing to do with it. And if anybody, you know, anybody has questions about race gas or whatever, or wants to, I, I'm happy to talk with you about, you know, or send you whatever dyno sheets I have, or if you're building something similar to what, what we do here, I'm, I'd love to talk to you because it, it's a, you'll really, you'll like using it. And I'm, I have nothing to hide. I just, a bunch of dyno sheets and probably about 10 years of experience using it. So. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. If you go to the dyno sheets on our website, I, I scanned them in a PDF and you can still see like the, the testers notes and like, greasy thumbprints and so i mean it's the real deal anyway yeah. well i was gonna say the transparency is great now the authenticity uh is even better um product is street legal that was a question correct um for epa purposes it's for it's for off-road use only okay um but then again all octane products are for off-road use only yeah and that's as, that's as far as i'm gonna go that's the the you guys can figure it out End user's decision. Yeah. <laughs> Understood. Understood. Okay. Uh, let's see. Do you have a spec sheet on these additives uh, with distillation change to base product? I know there's a, a pretty comprehensive uh, things on the uh, race dash gas website right now. I, I, I do have that information. Um, however, the problem I have is in sharing it, it would basically give everybody our, how to make our product. Okay. So if there's specific questions on those on that topic that you want to understand, contact us directly, but I can't share out everything just because then anybody could make my product and I don't want that. So. And that's fair. But on the website, there is a way to, you know, be able to plug in like, you know, my, my base gas that I'm using. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I mean, it basically tells me how, and I know um, Jim held up the label as well, but if I want to find out exactly how much to use of the product with how many gallons of gas and all of that, that's yeah. all available, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay. We're redoing our website right now, by the way. So it's getting better. It's been a little long in the tooth, but it's still there. Yeah. Awesome. All right. This says, um, is race gas, uh, race gas additive chelated? Am I saying that right? Chelated. 
chelated. Okay, thank you. Um, so generally when I hear the question about chelation, it's because the end user is worried about what we call phase separation. And phase separation is where literally the ingredients of the product separate yeah. in the can. Um, there's a number of ways to stop phase separation. Chelation is only one of them. We do not use chelation. We have a different way of doing it. Um, but I can tell you, you know, like I said, we still have the first case we ever made. And I know for a fact it doesn't phase separate. That case is 12 years old and it is perfectly, there's no phase separation going on at all. That's, that's pretty big. Uh, let's see, uh, Jim, this question for you. Have you done any DI engines with race gas? Is the requirements different from a port injected engine? Also, uh, and, and that's for you, Jim. And then a follow-up, Dan, from what I understand, uh, DI engines have a lot of issues with carbon buildup on the intake valves. Can race gas make an additive to help with that? Actually, we have a detergent that helps with that. Um, part, of, part of it is because uh, we added additional detergent package to our current and our next version of the product to reduce deposits on uh on the plugs as well so yes we we can help with that part and jim the rest of it i didn't get you can yeah, have to answer that one <laughs> so di engines are <clears throat> still an internal combustion engine but with the benefit of putting the fuel exactly where you want it rather than having to drag it down an intake port into the chamber so um you know generally i've done I've done a handful of newer Corvettes um, with the LT series engine with a pro charger or any supercharger kit. Um, really the results are the same as I've seen on any other gasoline engine, specifically forced induction using the race gas additive is, um, you know, you can, you can lean on it a little bit harder. Typically DI engines will, uh, run at a higher efficiency level or the same efficiency level, but at a leaner air fuel ratio um, because you're not wetting a, an intake port wall and all that stuff. You're all the fuel you're putting into the motor is getting into the engine. So um, I would say the results that I've seen with using it on a DI compared to a port fuel injected or carbureted engine are, it's not like they're exponentially better. They're definitely not worse. It, it, it worked as I expected it to. So I will say one thing, and I don't actually know the type of engine, but apparently in the latest generation of Corvettes, there is a special Corvette that has like a special fuel injection system in it. It's like double ported or something. And I forget exactly the term for it. Um, that engine we don't recommend using it in and it's literally i think they made 200 cars so it's not like a huge market and literally the only reason why we know about it is we have a very big corvette tuner out west and that is his personal car and i had to tell him you can't use it in that car he's like okay uh, that's fine all my customers can use it that's fine so. all right um by the way uh hyperfuels will sign up to be a retailer that dyno challenge works well so uh there you go tell Tell them to go to race-gas.com and uh, send me an email and let's, let's talk. All right, which answers another question of what your website is. And as always, uh, you can go to epartrade.com and, uh, and find everything you need to know on their page as well. Um, question says here, explain the importance of specific gravity. Um, it, it's kind of a weird subject. And so the, so the problem with measuring specific gravity and fuel is that it's never the same, it's never the same reading twice. And yeah. what I mean by that is specific gravity is directly affected by temperature, barometric pressure, relative humidity, um, and a number of other factors. So you can take a look, you know, you can, you can test specific gravity when it's in a, in a closed loop in the refinery and get a number. But the second that that uh, fuel leaves that closed loop and is exposed to atmosphere, that specific gravity number is going to change. Yeah. So <clears throat> I don't get too hung up on it, um, just because you know it really it's just such a it's just such a hard number to deal with, and it's a hard number to really understand, you know, what you're seeing in terms of consistency. Because you know, like I said, you can have you can have 
a load of fuel, half of it is still in the refinery, half of it's in a tank. And the uh, specific gravity of the stuff in the tank is going to be different than that one in the closed loop. So I don't really if deal with that one. That, one thing that I see a lot on uh, engine dyno, depending on the dyno brand or the software being used, it'll tell you the BSFC of the fuel you're using. And um, there are some correction factors to that, but we can dyno we can dyno an engine, you know, let's say we dyno an engine today and then, you know, we want to test some stuff on it tomorrow using the same fuel and all that, but your climate changes a little bit, your BSFC is going to be different. So it's kind of, it, it's kind of a, I don't know what the word would be, but not invalid, but um, in a lot of applications, it's not, uh, I don't know what the word would be. Not invalid, not important, because it is valid and it is important, but um, it just changes a lot. So there's really a lot of times no valuable information to be had by knowing the specific gravity of your fuel, because you'd only it would only be beneficial at that moment in time sometimes. Yeah, and while we're talking sort of about some tech things like that, Jim, for you, um, air fuel mixture, how does that affect performance? You know, all of those things. It's a big deal. Well, um, air fuel mixture, you know, some engines, internal, you know, gasoline engines, some engines work well at, you know, 12.5, 12.6 to one air fuel ratio on gasoline. Some will actually work better around 13. Uh, DI motors, direct injected, like to be a little bit leaner, but um, every engine is different and it all depends on cylinder pressure being generated in the cylinder. So, and that, that's another thing too, is um, which I've found a lot of people relate ignition timing values to octane, which is, you know, a valid thought or statement, but also some engines, um, you know, you'll get an engine where you're, you, it makes really nice power at 12, nine to one air fuel ratio and you go to 13 and eh, you don't really see a difference, but you get a little tickle on the, the uh, knock sensor. Um, and that's because you're right on the edge of lean there. So I've seen some cases where uh, using the race gas product, um, we can keep the timing the same as it was, but well, we can run at a tick leaner and make more power because it's not going to detonate. The race gas, you know, suppresses that detonation issue. Okay, uh, I know we're getting kind of close on time here, so Dan, I just want to, you know, ask you, you know, before we, um, you know, end this session. Number one, people can go to race-gas.com. They can go to ePartrade, find your page there as well. But is there anything um, that you feel maybe someone needs to know that maybe we didn't cover? Is there anything you want to say in closing? Again, I think I think we uh, we covered a, a lot of ground here today, and and it was a good conversation, and the questions were fantastic. Um, <clears throat> the first thing I'll say is, if you do have additional questions, please reach out directly. We take tech calls all the time, love the conversations, and you know we we learn along the along the way with you. So um, it it's we you know we we welcome that. Um, Secondly, you know, we've got a, in the US, we have about 700 individual retailers, um, always looking for more retailers, always looking for more distributors, um, always looking for more countries to break into. We've, 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 we've expanded into a lot this year um, and hope to do so again next year. Um, and then, you know, the, la the, the last two comments I'm going to make are number one, we're not, we are not the best product for everybody. Okay, so you know, recognize who we are. We're we're sort of everyman product. We're eighty percent of the market. There's twenty percent of the market that have very high end engines. They have bespoke fuel being made for them. Yeah. That's not our customer. Right. Um, you know, and and those guys, frankly, keep doing what you're doing. If you spent that much money on an engine that you need bespoke fuel, don't mess with our stuff. Keep using what you're using. Yeah. Um, the second part I want to say is uh, more is not better. Um, you know, don't be adding octane to your engine because you could think you're going to make a whole bunch of power. You've got to tune for it. If you're not tuned for it, do not use our product. I, and, and I know that sounds stupid because I make it. But at the same time, I don't want people making, like I said, expensive smoke. So 
yeah, that's that's what I would leave it with. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, just a couple of things quick. Um, the race, it, it's all what Dan said, but also another thing to just keep in mind is it's so darn convenient to have a few cans of this in your trailer. I, I just love the stuff. So that, that that's a big part of why I use it. And I recommend it to, to a lot of my customers because you can just keep a can in your trunk or, you know, things like that. So the other proof, the last proof point I would leave is that um, we have me and, and, and my business partners own multiple race cars. Um, we have an endurance race car. We race in, in, uh, in some of the NASA endurance series and some of the other endurance series. And those motors have never known any other fuel than race gas. And one of them, I mean, there, we've, we've got thousands of race hours on some of these 24 hour races and have never had a fuel related issue. So my, my, personal, my personal proof point is I know it works because I've been there and I've done that. Well, that's, that's wonderful. Gentlemen, I, we have to do this again at some point because we've had a great <laughs> influx of questions. I, I think we barely scratched the surface, but we definitely did cover a lot as well. Uh, but we really appreciate you being a part of ePartrade. And again, want to recommend people go to ePartrade.com if you want to find out Race-Gas, their website, Race-Gas.com. Dan, thank you so much. Jim, thank you as well. You bet. Enjoyed thank it very you much. Thank you very much, Dan. Thanks, Thanks for having us here. Really appreciate it. And, and actually, we just pushed your products back to the homepage uh, uh, on ePartrade. So if well, you... if email is any indication, we just had about 40 of them come into <laughs> our, our submit a request. So Very good. Excellent. So this works. This works great. <laughs> it works. Exactly. Exactly right. Thank you right. very much. So we'll be in touch soon, Dan and Jim. Thank you very much.